One of the things that I was so impressed by when, you know, through, through the experience of getting to know you is how quickly you can get something to market, how you kind of naturally make something simple. You don't try and overcomplicate it. And that's the secret, you know, you just got to do the work. You got to um, come to it every day, be persistent, have that enthusiasm and excitement and keep going. And the result is that you are where you are and there's no shortcut. However, people can listen to what you say and avoid some common mistakes. That's what your mission is, to share the things that you've learned that can be shortcuts for people, but aren't at the same time giving it to them on a platter because you know that that's not gonna help them anyway. I couldn't have said that better. Eric, thank you for describing all of that beautifully. And we're back. Welcome to the first episode for 2019 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. We have a really engaging episode in store for you today and are glad you're with us. Our guest is Abdo Riani, the founder of StartupCircle.co. Abdo has successfully bootstrapped a number of businesses of his own and now focuses on helping aspiring entrepreneurs with their startups. He's an expert in growing an engaged audience through strategic relationships and collaboration rather than competition. Abdo comes on the show today and shares his tips and strategies for building a business from the ground up, connecting with experts, authors, and other entrepreneurs, and finding your ideal audience. We want to help you have a successful year in 2019 and believe this is a great way to kick things off. As a special bonus, Abdo has generously offered his Accelerate Method as a gift for our listeners. Stay tuned for more details in this episode. So let's get started. I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is episode 113 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. All right. Hey, welcome to the show, Abdo. Pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you very much, Eric. It's a pleasure being on the show. Yeah. And it's actually very different than what you're used to. You're usually on the other end doing interviews. How many interviews have you done in the last month? A hundred and six, I think. So th- that's actually a good place to start. Let's let's. Talk a little bit about your current project, StartupCircle.co, and how you got into that. Yeah, absolutely. So StartupCircle.co um, provides entrepreneurs with guidance by connecting aspiring and rising entrepreneurs with successful founders over daily live Q&A sessions. Um, and the way I got into launching Startup Circle is over the years I've developed this passion for starting new businesses and it and I found that one of the easiest ways to avoid mistakes and to take measurable steps is if you can listen to those who are a few steps ahead of you. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, 10, 20, 30 years more experienced than you, at least people who have done what you need to do. And one of the things I wanted to do is create a resource for entrepreneurs to connect with those who are a few steps ahead of them to get some guidance, to get some mentoring, to get some advice that they can apply to move their businesses forward. And one of the things I definitely wanted to do is to make this advice as personal as possible. So Startup Circle is different because we limit the number of attendees to a maximum of three people in each session so that those who join can truly benefit from the sessions and not just ask questions, but ask follow-up questions, get personalized advice, and build relationships with those speakers. Yeah, that's great. And um, where do you think, if you had to guess or if you know, where do you think this passion came from for you to help entrepreneurs in this way? So, you know, I started my first venture back when I was a sophomore in college. And two years later, 
you know, after taking an idea or a hypothesis or an interest in helping the environment to about $5,000 in monthly recurring revenue, I realized that I was more passionate about starting businesses than running businesses. And over the next few years, I got involved in the launch of many businesses, taking those entrepreneurs and helping them go from idea to first paying customers. It was because of that experience, uh, taking nothing into something that I thought to myself, you know, this is what I really want to do for many years to come. Um, and, and I wanted to launch a, a venture that can provide entrepreneurs with resources to accomplish the goal that I wanted to accomplish for those in those years and, you know, in the future. Uh, I think that's, that's why I've created Startup Circle. And in your estimation, what is the key ingredient to starting a business? But really, I feel like there's probably something even before the business is started that's the real key ingredient for how people get the ball rolling. And from all the conversations you've had with people and your own experience, and what is that that spark that somebody must, must find before they actually are fast on the track of getting that business started? So it's one of, one of two things, Eric. It's either that they have always admired people who have started ventures that are making a tangible impact on people's lives and they want to follow that path, or they have gone through the path of following leaders in a you know employment setting and just want to start controlling their own destiny. Those are the two main reasons how what I found, at least from my experience and from the discussion that I have almost on a sing, on, um, on every single day, why entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs. Right. And I would certainly agree with you that that's kind of one of the uh, ingredients. But I've also met a lot of people who have that, but then nothing happens with it, right? Like they have that fire that was started by seeing somebody in a position that they would like to aspire to be in or someone that they like to emulate. But there is a difference between those who just have that and those who have that and transform it into something that's actually tangible. Right. Have you seen anything in relation to that? Any any patterns of how, how to get from that point to uh, realizing? Most entrepreneurs uh, or aspiring entrepreneurs, Eric, start by being entrepreneurs. Even those who end up becoming very successful in entrepreneurship, they go through many phases of self-reflection, trial, error, um, quitting. Sometimes they quit for many months. Sometimes they continue and then uh, take breaks and then go back on and start again. So many things happen in the mind of the entrepreneur, especially in terms of risk and opportunities and influence from the people that are closest to them that define their next move. Those who are truly interested in creating this life are the ones who create it. And most of the time, Eric, if we look back at all the people who have started successful businesses, they all go through a you know, a long period of time where they debate, they try, they quit, they fail, they try a little more, they consider it a side project, they never think about turning this into a full-time uh, venture or a company, but then with some traction, with some results, with some confidence, they go in and uh, go all in. So I really cannot well 
define the exact reasons why people do it and continue to do it and why, why others don't. But it's many things that happen in that period from entrepreneurship to entrepreneurship that define the next steps. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind when you're talking about that is for me, you know, one thing I've seen in my own journey and others' journeys that really act as a bridge between the want and the actually manifestation of what you want is there's some underlying passion that you have that no matter what, you're going to push through it to to keep going. Um, And you're not going to let minor or major obstacles swerve you from the path because those obstacles will come for everybody. There's no avoiding them. In my case, for example, Eric, I remember when I was maybe a freshman, I wanted to start my first venture. You know, you know the deal, right? Everybody tells you, or you're just starting college, focus on at least finishing college, or at least focus on getting acquainted with college. Try to get some grades, try to get some, uh, you know, try to make some progress, and then maybe start thinking about it. And spend that year, you know, debating and thinking and talking to people and doing things on the side, doing things silently. And then eventually I said, you know what, I don't care. This is what I've always wanted to do. I slept on it 365 days. I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to do it. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And you did have some early successes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I, I think you, you bootstrapped a business early on. You had some good financial success with that. You, you started something called uh, Bootstrapping Summit. Can you talk a little bit about these early things that you did? Sure. So that first venture when I was a sophomore in college was a a platform that rewarded users for their eco-friendly actions. I've always had a passion for the environment. I wanted to contribute to it. I wanted to do something that can make at least a small difference. Now, the idea was recycle 10, 15, 20, whatever pounds of metal you want, get points, redeem those points from local businesses. My main concern back then, and the main concern of most starting entrepreneurs, is how am I going to fund the development of this product? How am I going to connect users with recycling facilities that are nearest, uh, that are the closest to them proximity-wise? And how am I going to to know how much exactly, how many pounds exactly they've they've recycled? How am I going to know uh, how they're going to be able to redeem those points with local businesses and so on and so forth. So I focus so much on trying to find funds, to raise funds for creating the business that I forgot that I could actually be the business, be the product. So I was looking for ways, changed my mindset. I was looking for ways to um, to bootstrap the business by doing things that don't scale. One of the things I did, I said, you know what? Well, all I have to do to solve this problem is actually be the person who is connecting people with recycling facilities and then them to local businesses. So how can I do that? All it took for me is to create a small landing page that had a list of recycling facilities. I had a small three-step process that they had to follow. Recycle, email me, request what you want to get from whichever local business that you can find on that landing page. Here's the receipt, take it, redeem it, come back to me, I'll update your points. When I started thinking that way, then I was able to go to those recycling facilities and tell them, well, the platform is being developed, but I'm actually serving you right now. I'm bringing you people. I'm getting people to recycle with you. Would you be interested in being featured on the list 
and in exchange pay me $200 a month for this feature. I did the same thing with Recycle with, with local businesses who I sent people uh, to. And as a result of that, I was able to fund the initial stage of the business by generating about $2,000 in monthly recurring revenue way before I created, uh, wrote any uh, line of code. Um, uh, used the funds from the pre-sale to build the product. A year and a half later, we're generating about $5,000 in monthly recurring revenue. And then I had to make a decision whether I want to continue with, with that project or company or do something else. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned in the beginning of this conversation is that I've always had, uh, I've always been more passionate about starting businesses than running them. So I decided to start Aspire IT, which is a startup development studio for non-technical bootstrap founders that provides those entrepreneurs with all the needed resources, including product development to take an idea to first paying customers. And thanks to that, I got involved in the launch of over a dozen businesses over the years, helped many entrepreneurs take ideas to first paying customers. Uh, and I still do that today. There's two things I want to, I want to uh, ask about based on what you just said. The first one is just a, is a noticing when you're talking about your recycling business, what you're saying, even though you have a brick and mortar element to it in the sense where you're dealing with real world, world things and not just a, uh, uh, information product, you, you are echoing what a lot of our, um, previous, uh, guests have said, which is that you start with giving something for free. You started by just sending people to those recycling centers without making a deal. You you gave the value up front to those people. And in exchange, they were willing to pay you 200 bucks a month. Um, and a lot of people you know, are afraid to do that. They're afraid to give something up for, um, away for free up front. But um, I'm just wanting to uh, illustrate again that this is another example where that worked, You know that you had success with that. Yeah, I was just going to say that that was the proof, Eric, right? So if I went to the recycling facilities and told them that I am going to create something that is going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, who else, who, who is really going to trust me? Um, so, but when I go and meet those facilities, I essentially was cold stopping by. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that better, but it's, you know, it's the idea of cold emailing, cold calling. I was literally just stopping by recycling facilities, asking for a little bit of their time to explain. Uh, one of the things that helped a lot, actually, that I was a student, by the way, those who are uh, students right now, take advantage of that. People are more likely to listen to you when you're a student and help. Anyway, so stop by, I told them, here's a list of 500 people, 500 people that I have collected from campus, by the way, I just went and spoke to every stranger I could find. It was so embarrassing, but I did it. I told them, here's the list of 500 people from this university that's you know just five miles away from your location. I'm going to send all of those people to you, or at least a percentage, and I'm going to get them to recycle their, their, their recyclables with you. And I did that. And then a week two later, I went back and I told them, you know, what we're trying to do right now is to make this more scalable. Would you be interested in investing in making this more scalable? And in exchange, one of the things I'm going to do, in, in addition to emailing people and, and, and referring them to you, is I'm going to feature you in the, on the page. You're going to be one of the first ones, and I'm going to add extra things to your page to make sure that people see it, make sure that 
people go to it. And one of the other things I'm going to do, I am very active in the local community. I am very active in chambers. I'm very active in environmental clubs. I will also always be speaking about you. Would you be interested in investing just $200 to make this happen? And, and all I needed was 10 people. So it was easy. It took me maybe 10 days. Yeah. And what you're talking about to me, it brings to mind to me, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because I think one of the things that come up in that book a lot is how he talks about, for one ex- physical example, he's talking about when you're writing a letter. So many people start with what they want, yeah, right? And then at the end, they talk about what's good for the person or maybe not even at all, right? So in a sense, that's what you're doing. You're, you're starting with what the other person wants, and you're putting energy into showing them that you are can deliver on your promises. You put your money and your action where your mouth is, and you're following that guidance, which comes from him, which comes from other entrepreneurs I've talked to. Whether they whether they see that as a um, something they're following or not, people who are successful generally are doing something like that. Uh, they're they have a way of selling themselves to people, selling the idea, getting people excited about it. And the thing is, you can't do that unless you're excited yourself and you have a natural enthusiasm, which is, you know, one of the th- things I said when I was on um, on your program, startupcircle.co, a, a couple weeks ago, I said that, you know, people who go into business to make the money specifically they're missing this component. They're missing that natural enthusiasm and excitement, which is so important in the beginning stages, because that's how you, that's the spark that helps light the fires of other people around you that are going to help build your foundation to continue. Look, Eric, you know, when, when I went, when I went and sold, pre-sold, I guess, uh, the idea of this venture to those recycling facilities, they weren't really, to be very honest with you, they were investing in the awareness that I was creating for them and in the acquisition that I was uh, boosting for them, but they were actually mostly investing in my energy, in me. That's what they were investing in. They saw how excited I was. They saw how enthusiastic I was, how energetic I was, and that was the deciding factor uh, to their investment. In fact, when I talked with those, with the owners of those facilities and local businesses, by the way, because it's the same idea. I'm sending people to local businesses, whether it's restaurants, coffee shops. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sending, I'm, I'm contributing to their awareness. But one of the things I, now looking back, I realized the conversation I was having with those owners Maybe 10 of, 10% of it was about the business. We're talking about, you know, why I'm creating this. Uh, what's the goal? What's the vision? Um, what's the mission? You know, what's the impact? You know, now that you mentioned energy, you know, it's really, in my opinion, at least 80% of sales. Uh, obviously, if you show that there's value as well. I 100% agree with you. And so now jumping to your what was the name of the development firm that you did as your second business? Aspire IT. Yeah. So jumping to Aspire IT, now you were specifically, one of the things you said you were doing there was offering technical solutions to entrepreneurs to help them build their businesses. And this is an interesting area for me because Member Mouse is a software product. And um, 
one of the questions I always have is how important is technology in starting a business? And and what I've seen is uh, sometimes technology can get in the way and sometimes it can assist. Now, what were the kind of things that you saw when you were helping people? When did you determine when you should use technology and when something else was the answer? So, Eric, one of the things we do with Aspire IT is look or find a plan or, or come up with a plan that can allow us to go to market under the condition of the unavailability of the product. In other words, we want to completely forget about the product in the beginning so that we can get initial traction, perhaps pre-sell the idea or the service, whatever it is, and get to market the soonest so we can gather uh, feedback the soonest and then start perhaps building something. Most of the time, Eric, yes, there is some product development or an MVP development or first version development uh, in the project that I get get involved in. But 90% of the time, it's, it is doing things that don't scale. Uh, now, I can recall an example for, you know, findfirewood.com, a marketplace that connects firewood buyers with sellers. In that case, we did start by doing things that don't scale. We did start by connecting buyers and sellers without a website, but then very quickly realized that, you know, it is a model that needs a little more scalability and we can go ahead and create a, a platform for that. Um, so it depends on what we're creating, but most of the time it actually isn't a hundred percent of the time uh, starting by uh, getting hands dirty, by doing things that don't scale and by almost completely forgetting about the product, unless we can connect some tools that allow us to mimic the product. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and now you also did something called Bootstrapping Summit. Where did this enter into the picture? So in the beginning of this year, in 2018, one of the things I wanted to do is launch different uh, services in addition to Aspire IT. I wanted to start uh, one-on-one uh, coaching and consulting and perhaps eventually start selling or offering some digital products. One of the main problems that I had, which is a problem that most starting digital uh, product sellers have at the beginning is audience. I did not have an audience or a big enough audience that I could sell my services to. One of the hypotheses that I had, Eric, was what if I can leverage other people's audience? Most people call it influencer marketing. But what are the odds that I'm going to email people and tell them, here's the product that I'm looking to sell. Here's the idea or here's the coaching plan or program. Would you be interested in promoting that for me? One of the things I learned quickly is that people are willing to do that if it is a, um, a product, but not a service. Because if it's a product, they can go up there, they can test, they can try, they can see, they can touch, and, and they can promote. They would be willing to promote the sale is a lot easier, but when it's a digital product, they don't know you because you are the product and it becomes a lot harder to convince influencers to do that. So I started thinking, what, how else can I do that? Well, the hypothesis was, was what if I leverage people's audience instead of competing for the attention of their audience? One way to do that is by highlighting their expertise through an online event, it could be in many ways one of the things I want to discuss later, and 
um, as a result of that, get access to their audience by kindly requesting their promotion. And when I um, started working on the bootstrapping uh, summit, so I decided to create the bootstrapping summit as a result of that hypothesis. So I interviewed 100 people, 100 bootstrapped entrepreneurs and added to the recording uh, five live Q&A sessions to make it even more exciting for people to join. Thanks to this approach that goes as follows. Highlight people's expertise, ask for their uh, promotion, get access to their audience, use their audience uh, or not use, but offer their audience after you build or nurture some relationship with them, your uh, services. So um, when I did that, 5,000 people joined as the result of launching the Bootstrapping Summit. Um, and that led to about $10,000 in monthly recurring uh, coaching revenue. And then I started implementing the same ideas in uh, different ways. The hypothesis, once again, becomes what if I can apply the same thing with people who cannot get access to experts at ease? So I went and contacted Chambers of Commerce. I told them, I know the Chamber... One of the chamber's goals is to educate its members and to bring speakers, and it has a budget for bringing speakers every year. But it may not be as feasible to bring, you know, I listed names X, Y, and Z, uh, and and um, it may not be feasible to bring them all actually. So what I can do is see those people. I can I can invite those experts, those influencers, to come and talk with chamber members for free. All you have to do is distribute this. All you have to do is help me with the promotion of it. Would you be interested in doing that? Five out of seven chambers agreed. And now we're in the process of launching uh, the online events. This is another application of what I call the accelerate method, which once again entails leveraging people's audience instead of fighting for the attention or competing for the attention of their audience. Something that can also help you pre-sell ideas as well. Because one of the things I did when I launched the Bootstrapping Summit, when I when I got the access to those thousands of people, I pre-sold access to my coaching program. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any courses. I didn't have any plans. I didn't have any you know method. All I said is I'm going to be I'm going to open access to you know this for this much money. Would you be interested to commit to it today? Um, and, and that helped me, you know, generate the amount that I mentioned earlier. So, um, so that's in a, in a nutshell, what this means. Now you mentioned the accelerate method as something that you use to really fuel your growth and to leverage other people's audiences in a harmonious way. Is this a method that relies on somebody's personality type? I mean, we, as entrepreneurs, growing businesses, what you're talking about, the fundamentals, getting an audience, getting the ball rolling, getting a platform where you can push your stuff out there. This is something, a nut that we all have to crack, right? And if this uh, Accelerate method is clearly worked for you, right? But I wonder, is this something that is working for you because of your specific personality traits and your strengths? Well, Eric, it's very important that you have, you know, some communication skills, obviously, because this entails communicating with influencers, interviewing people and connecting them with 
other stakeholders. So you definitely have to have some communication skills or one of your team members uh, can be the spokesperson of uh, spokesperson of, of this project. So if you are not afraid of talking to people, connecting with people, gathering people, then anyone can do it. Which by the way, you don't have to start there, right? Because for me personally, that wasn't a strong suit of mine. But the thing is, if you do it five times, you get better, right? So even if you're the type of person who you would say, oh, I don't have strong communication skills or whatever, it's not, in my experience, a stumbling block because ultimately, if you're going to be in the world of business, you have to be able to communicate. Whether you're doing whether you're doing the beginning stages of sales, outreach, interest building, et cetera, you have to be able to communicate so you can't get around it. At some point, you have to learn. You can't hide it. You can't hide forever. So the fact that your method has this as a, a foundational element to me is a benefit because you're you're attacking the root, one of the root challenges head on early in the beginning before you do anything else. Eric, one thing I wanted to mention um, back in so I launched the Bootstrapping Summit in June, and I first and I started the first interview end of May. That was the first interview I've ever done in my life, and I and after that I, I completed one hundred interviews within two months. So. So it was just a decision. You know, we all can speak. It was a decision that I made that I'm going to assume any <laughs> embarrassments, if any, uh, that I'm going to learn um, by doing things instead of by reading books. That helps as well. But I wanted to live it. Um, and I didn't, you know, I realized that just five interviews later, 10 interviews later, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, what to say or how to say it, how to prepare anymore. It just becomes natural. So it's not something that is, you know, unattainable. It is something that you you have to decide to do, do and get used to very quickly. It won't take you that long. And something you definitely need, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the obstacles are ones that we can create in our own heads. I mean, just the just the word interview. Oh, I have, I'm doing an interview. Well, now you can imagine, oh, I have to prepare. What am I going to say? All this other stuff. And then of course you're working yourself up, but ultimately it's just a conversation. We, we've all talked to people, right? And we never, we never go to our friend's house and, and concern ourselves with what we're going to say ahead of time. So it's, it's a lot of it has to do with mindset. And like you said, after you've done five of these things, you realize that a lot of it was just how you were thinking about it and perceiving it. So backing back to the accelerate method. So can we get into some more specifics about how you, for example, line up a hundred interviews in a 30, 45 day period? Sure. Well, first of all, we have to start with a, with a, a safe assumption. And that assumption is uh, experts or speakers or influencers or whatever you want to call them don't expect much from you. They are happy if you feature their expertise. All I, I always say, experts like to be experts. The least you can do is highlight their expertise. Out of the maybe 400 people I emailed over the past five, six months, I had only one person 
ask asking for money for the for the call. Nobody's ever asked me, you know, think about it, 99.99% money or, or, or compensation for the interview. So if you, if you approach people from the idea that you're going to feature them to a new audience or you're going to highlight their expertise, they're, they're very likely to be interested in having a call with you. And all you have to do is just look real. That's it. I had a website. I looked real. I was clear about the value of this interview. And then, and then the call to action, would you be interested in an interview? One of the things you mentioned earlier, Eric, is starting letters, how you should start by talking about how they are going to benefit from this, you know, thing that you are proposing or how they are highlighted or, or how they're, the advantages that, that they're going to get. So all I did, for example, uh, is I, you know, say something along the lines of, hi, Eric, uh, I gained a lot of insights from your recent uh, Startup Circle interview. I learned X, Y, and Z. Uh, I respect your work a great deal. One of the reasons, uh, the reason for my email today is to seek your interest in an interview where we'll talk about ABC that I will highlight to my audience and that I will promote in ABC. Would you be interested in an interview? Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. That is it. That's the copy of using every single time, every single day. And out of 10 people I email, seven people answer. Some people say I can do it now, but seven people answer. And that's as simple as that. One of the things I mentioned in this letter or in this copy is the word startup circle. Well, here's the idea. There's another safe assumption. If someone was featured in another uh, channel, podcast, YouTube, anywhere, then that is we can safely assume that this person would be interested in being on another one. So one of the things I like to do is start by people who have been featured somewhere because it makes it a lot easier for me to explain to them what we're doing and why we want them to do the interview. Now, one of the things we're doing right now, for example, is emailing people who have not been featured on interviews because we're kind of running out of people. And it's become a little harder because we have to explain. The email thread is a little longer. We have to answer questions sometimes. We have to take calls before scheduling the interview, but the idea is the same. We're going to your expertise and you give us a little bit of your time. Now, I don't want to brush over this because it, you're so experienced to this, but you know some of the fundamental things that you mentioned, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how you do. So I get it all conceptually what you're saying. You know, you reach out to an audience, you know, people who have done similar things before um, are likely to do it again. Um, makes sense. The second thing is you email them. So in that, just in that though, my, my two questions are, well, how do you find the people? Where are you, are you doing Google searches? Do you have any special, uh, techniques for how you're locating that you're willing to share? Of course. And secondly, once you've found the people, how do you get their email addresses? Because, you know, for example, my email address, as far as I know, wasn't listed anywhere, but apparently, you know, but that was able to be found. I don't know if you're, if it's a guess, an educated guess, or how are you actually getting to contact those people? Absolutely. So the first thing is we start with podcasts. We look at podcasts because once again, if people were on podcasts, then they're more likely to be interested in being on other podcasts. They know the benefits of podcasts. We don't have to explain how they work. 
we don't have to explain what a podcast is. So we go and, well, we will list the top podcasts and then we start from the beginning. We start from one, obviously, if you are picky, then you need to filter. Some podcasts allow you to filter by category, by by marketplaces, by fintech, by whatever. You filter, you select the those that you want to contact, and then there are a bunch of tools, Eric, that you can use to find email addresses. One of my friends uh, recently acquired uh, Voila Norbert. Uh, Sujan Patel recently acquired Voila Norbert. And um, my last conversation with him, he said, you know what, I'll give you 2,500 credits to use Voila Norbert. Uh, with Voila Norbert, all you have to do is put their name and email and then on another side, put their uh, their company website or personal website and then click search. Um, it takes a second. It gives you the email address. You copy that email address. You go to your inbox. You open a message, tab, and then the title. I usually write interview, uh, make it simple. And, um, and that's pretty much it. So, And how do you spell that website? It's V-O-I-L-A and then Norbert, N-O-R-B-E-R-T. Perfect. And then is there anything else to the accelerator method that you use? Yeah, there are many, many other things actually depends on your goals, uh, Eric. One of the other application of the Accelerate method is through guides. For instance, it doesn't have to be online events. It doesn't have to be events at all. One of the things I did um, a couple of months ago is I wrote about a topic and then I invited three speakers, uh, three experts in that topic. One of them is Andrew Warner from Mixergy. I... um, interviewed them, asked some questions. And instead of just writing an article, I wrote an article that is uh, that includes 45-minute interviews. Once I completed the interview, and since I highlighted the expertise of those uh, experts, I reached back to them and I told them, you know, I asked if they would be inclined to uh, promote it. Two out of the three agreed to promote it. One of them actually also invited me to his podcast. And the other one who is Andrew Warner suggested a partnership. He said, what if I can, you know, um, invest in, in a Facebook ad and, uh, promote this for us? Would you be interested in that? And, you know, uh, of course I was. So, uh, this is another application of the method. Once again, it's, it's really about trying to provide them with as much value as possible, uh, so that, their decision to help you promote your product or service is is easy. You know, they they don't have to think twice. Um, for those who are starting membership sites, for example, one of the things that uh, is important for the Accelerate method is that you find people uh, or companies uh, that are offering complementary products. I gave you the example of the course creating uh, website. You know, I do not create courses, uh, but I help course creators get their first 100 members or students. And when I talk to the founder of this uh, platform and then tell them that I'm going to be able to uh, bring people, new people to your uh, technology, to your software, to at least know about your software, and I'm going to assume that a percentage of it is going to use it. And then I asked him, would you be interested in being involved by 
also bringing some of your least active uh, users who still need help to go from wanting to create a course who have paid for creating a course but have not done it, um, they won't mind doing that. And it becomes a win-win because I'm bringing new people and I'm branding their company as, um, you know, as, as a leader in the space by, uh, by, by inviting some expert course creators to talk about it. And at the same time, I am branding myself as an expert in the space. I am getting access to new people that I can help. And it's, it becomes a win-win. Same idea with the chamber, same idea with the bootstrapping uh, with with a summit or an online event, and same idea with the uh, articles or the guides. Yeah, that's amazing. And one of the things in my mind that's a big difference between a entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is a entrepreneur wants somebody else to do the work for them a lot of the time, and an entrepreneur understands that it's it falls on their shoulders. And to me, it's like if you go to a museum and you're looking at an artist's painting. A entrepreneur may want to go buy something from the gift shop that's a paint by numbers. An entrepreneur will look at that painting and be like, what is it that communicates to me from that painting? And, and how can I take lessons from this, but also put my own personality into it? And I think this entire conversation, what you've been doing and talking about all of your projects, that's a painting. You're describing how you approach things. And there's a method there. And there's also uh, an art there. And what I think people who are listening to this can do is with you and with anybody who has experience is you have to really listen to the story behind the words. Because one of the things that I was so impressed by when, you know, through, through the experience of getting to know you, which started with one of these accelerate method opener emails, right, is how quickly you can get something to market, how you kind of naturally make something simple. You don't try and overcomplicate it. There's, and there is room for improvement, right? And there's nothing wrong with there being room for improvement. And that's, I, th- I think, a secret that I had to learn because I'm a, a recovering perfectionist. It took me three years to get my product out to the market in the beginning. And this is part, and this is the reason, like, I thought it had to be perfect. I didn't want to put anything out there that was half-baked, but I was shooting myself in the foot. So for those people who are looking for just something on a platter, they want to go buy something, want to go pay somebody to do work for them, there are going to be plenty of options they have of people who are going to take their money and say that they can do the work for them, but it's not going to, it, it mostly doesn't work from what I've seen. You have to put in the legwork and you've shared that not only directly, but indirectly through discre- you've, you've acted on that consistently over the projects you've done since being a freshman in college. And that's the secret. You know, you just got to do the work. You got to um, come to it every day, be persistent, have that enthusiasm and excitement and keep going. And the result is that you are where you are and there's no shortcut. However, people can listen to what you say and avoid some common mistakes. And, and that's, that's what your mission is from your experience to share the things that you've learned that can be shortcuts for people, but aren't at the same time giving it to them on a platter because you know that that's not going to help them anyway. I couldn't have said that better. Eric, thank you for describing all of that beautifully. 
one of the other things I wanted to mention is that I, I do have options, Eric. For those, you know, starting entrepreneurs or doubtful entrepreneurs, I do have options like you guys. You know, I am actually one little presentation away from completing my PhD. Um, and, you know, I can work in the industry and get paid, you know, three or $400,000 a year, or I can get paid as a professor and, and generate one fifty dollars $200,000 a year. But it's really, you know, this what I want to do for 50 years to come. And if I'm going to think about what I'm getting out of it tomorrow, you know, I, I can't compare because tomorrow I can, I can be, you know, from one day to the other making $400,000 a year if it's the money that I'm going after. But if I think about it from a 10, 20, 30 year perspective, you know, that's going to compound. The business side is going to compound and it's going to deliver a much greater value, at least to me, to the world. Uh, instead of of my commitment to um, my a job, if I take a job, so what I want to say is, you know, it's going to be a ten year overnight success. It won't be a, a a month or a year. Sometimes not even a ten year overnight success. Sometimes it's a twenty year overnight success, but it won't happen. If there's no consistency, and there if there's no continuity, uh, and if there's no passion for the things you do. I quit so many projects just because I realized that I wasn't passionate. And I'm so glad that I quit them soon because I could have been wasting more time and life. Not doing things that I don't like or things that you don't like is, is wasting life and wasting energy and, and wasting uh, potential, you know, opportunity costs essentially. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my advice and, um, you know, keep, keep fighting. And it's a great um, message, I think, to come out of the new year at a time when I think a lot of people reflect on the year and think about what was good, uh, what could have been better, and maybe those dreams that we have that we are so dear to us that we were afraid to even take the first step. And that's, I think, when when that happens, when we have this passion and this idea that we we just tuck away because oh, one day I'll get to it. When all of these things are ducks in a row, I'll do that thing. So hopefully with this message, uh, with your advice and um, the wisdom gained from your experience, uh, people can make a better choice for something that's going to actually help them accomplish their dreams. Start small. If you spend five minutes every day towards your dream, by the end of that year, you'll have that times 365, which will put you in a much better position to continue that momentum forward in the second year and the third year, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I hope uh, people will take away from this. And by the way, what is your PhD in? Finance. I'm studying venture capital-backed IPOs, looking at their underpricing and buy and hold up number return. Well, beautiful. Well, um, wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Really appreciate you sharing. Eric, thank you very much for having me. This this is it's been a pleasure being here and talking about all of this. One of the other things, uh, last things I wanted to mention is that if you're interested in applying the accelerate method to get your first or next 100 members in your membership site, don't worry about the tech. If you're a member mouse listener, I'll uh, I'll give you the templates that I'm using. I'll give you the website that I'm using. You can use it in applying the method in um, different settings. We talked about 
partnership partnerships with chambers. We talked about online events. We talked about guides, and there are other ways to do it. If you're interested in applying it, uh, reach out to me. Um, you can actually, you know, go at abduriani.com. The first thing they're going to see is um, a um, schedule and link. So uh, it'll take you pick 30 minutes. Let's have a call, and I look forward to contributing to the success of your uh, of your company, your venture. Very much appreciate that, Abdo. And we'll throw up the links uh, for people in the show notes uh, so that they can easily download those, um, get access to your site, contact you and all that stuff. So again, thank you so much, Abdo. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. And many thanks to Abdo for sharing his story, successes and strategies with us. To get the show notes for today's episode, please visit subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 113. If you're interested in hearing more interviews with entrepreneurs and learn their strategies for success, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. In the next episode, we'll be talking with Miles Beckler. Miles has built two successful subscription businesses and is an expert in all things digital marketing. Whether it's content creation, SEO, or advertising, Miles has something valuable to say on the subject. Now his mission is to help beginners get up and running and start earning money online. I highly recommend tuning into this episode as Miles has generously shared the exact strategies he is using in 2019 to generate a full-time income online. Thanks for listening to this Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast, and we'll see you next time.